Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of the Three Things Podcast. I'm super pumped to have the three things. I, I think by this point we can say official resident John Muljil back on for round four or five. I've honestly lost track by this point, but John joins me. He's my dude. We throw it way back when we talk about personal trainer development. John um, now has kind of probably evolved out of quote unquote just a personal trainer as a business owner, but we talk a lot about um, different career pitfalls, different career evolutionary paths, and just how personal trainers can be successful in today's market. It's a great podcast episode. John really brings a lot of knowledge to the table. I'm super glad anytime you can join me. So sit back, buckle up, enjoy this episode. I'll see you next week. podcast episode number six i think so major major recurring guest absolute major recurring guest now maybe a staple of the three things podcast um i mean you're the resident we've already declined we decided this like three episodes ago like you're you're the red podcast three things resident nice Um, do you want to give a little little background or you just want to tell people they need to go listen to some of the older episodes to know a little bit more about you i can give a little bit i can give a little bit of background i'll I'll put myself in the position of a listener i wouldn't want to go digging through <laughs> hundreds of other podcasts you have out. i want the plays though i need the plays yeah. so quick intro so my name is john moljo i'm the owner at t moljo strength and conditioning an appointment-based facility in shrub oak new york it's westchester county um if you're not sure whether it's upstate or not uh it is not upstate new york <laughs> if you i appreciate at that, that. But for all you Long Islanders and maybe New York Cityers, it is potentially upstate New York. I've been there before. I'm also the co-owner of the Leadership Accountability Business uh, Consultants Company with my partner, Neil Snyder. We will be hosting our next event actually here at T-Moljo May 11th, where Neil and I will be presenting on sales in the fitness industry. Casey will also be presenting, and we will also have Mark Kewitt as a presenter, uh, a very experienced, skilled general manager of a large health club uh, and owner as well. So we're excited to have all this uh, perspective, all this expertise at our next event. And uh, speaking as this will be my third lab event, thank you for having me back. Um, They're awesome because I think what a lot of fitness professionals kind of miss the boat on maybe at any point in their career. I don't want to say early in their career, but any point in their career is people get caught up going to certifications for continuing education and not continuing education to be around other like-minded individuals and, and individuals that I say that get it, but those that have kind of been through in the trenches and, and been maybe even drug, uh, dragged through the mud a little bit and learning from their experiences is at some point going to be more valuable than adding letters behind your name. Um, that are just kind of arbitrary letters that no one and your clients don't really care about. Um, so that's a lab event I think is, is awesome because the networking associated with it and the, the conversations that are had at lunch and, and breaks and things like that are just, they're super valuable. They're almost, and I, as a presenter, I'll say this, almost more valuable than the actual content presenters talk about because you're kind of oh, just spitballing ideas. So um, John Moljo, we'll actually start there because I think that this is something that I'm kind of presenting on. I'm doing the career KPI um, you know, like kind of how to have longevity in this industry. And, and one thing I want to talk to you about and get your perspective on having, 
you you've done this for a decade plus now. Um, shout out to SUNY Plattsburgh Fitness Center. But what is the like in your mind when you have like a young trainer or a trainer starting out at your facility? What do you have like a career growth for them? Do you look at them and say, okay, I understand you're 21, you just graduated from college, and you're kind of stuck in this mold. I appreciate that because you are 21, and, and certifications maybe do matter a little bit more to you right now. Um, but when, like, what does that career path, career trajectory look like for you as a personal trainer? I mean, I think someone who is in college and has been going to school perhaps for exercise science or anatomy, something maybe along the lines that's relative to wanting to pursue a career in fitness, or even if, you know, even if they've gone to school for business and want to pursue a career in fitness, I think kids who are just out of college are prime um, candidates for a couple of reasons. Um, they usually don't have many responsibilities, right? Or, or financial responsibilities. They usually kind of still live at home. Maybe they've got some student loans, There's no mortgage. Most maybe don't have like a car payment. Um, you know, so from a financial perspective, they don't have the pressure of having to make X amount of dollars per, per month, which we all know that when you're building a career in fitness, um, you know, it takes time to grow into a reasonable income, right? And a lot of people who maybe are married, have kids, have a mortgage, have a car payment, have bills, uh, it's not very appealing to get started into a career where you're going to make a couple hundred, uh, a couple hundred bucks a week, or where you have to go try and find clients to generate revenue for yourself. So, uh, I want any college kid who's listening to this podcast to understand that you are at like a distinct advantage to build your fitness career because you have nothing but time, right? You could be around other people who are going to help you grow. Uh, you could make the time investment and not have to worry too much about financial um, stuff currently because that's going to come. You know, if, so if you live, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so when does it change? Like, so say you are, you've been in the industry, so that's starting out. Now you're five, six, seven years in. And, I, you know, I find a lot of people get stagnant. That's something that I talk with a lot of our trainers here even. And they're like, yeah, you know, like I've worked at Parisi. I've been training kids. Right. Like I'm now 26, 27. Like, man, like, am I doing this forever? Like what are some, some ways that trainers can start to shift into the, the short term of, of, literally just trying to build that monthly revenue to be something that they right. can expect and count on to, okay, I, I want to be in this industry until I'm 50, 60 years old and I'm going right. to retire in this industry. How do they start to make that transition? I know obviously you've done it with gym ownership, um, but that might not be an opportunity or option for everyone. Um, right. What are just kind of like the mindset shifts of getting people prepared for the longevity of, of the fitness industry? So, I think initially when you become a certified personal trainer and you start to work, your, your, your head is wrapped around kind of training your clients and, you know, making sure that they get results. Right. But building a career involves so much more than that. Right. You've got to train your clients. Yes. You've got to deliver results to your clients. Yes. You have to deliver exceptional customer service. You have to follow up with your clients. You have to build your brand. You have to generate leads. You have to turn these leads into potential consultations, close these consultations, right? How well are you delivering a consultation? You have to follow up with people. You have to get out into the community and, um, you know, host events that are going to be informative, that are going to be engaging, that are going to be entertaining to get people kind of, you know, excited about you, excited about your brand, excited about an opportunity, an opportunity to help 
um, to support your business. But most importantly, you got to be excited uh, about the opportunity to help other people. And I think a lot of trainers don't portray that excitement when they engage with other people, when they look at their schedule, when they're engaging with coworkers, when they're engaging with staff. And if you want to build a sustainable career, you need to put time, money, and effort towards all of those things, right? Towards practicing, um, you know, your expertise in exercise science, right? That's one component of it. Towards your follow-up skills, right? How are you following up with existing clients? How are you following up with potential leads, with potential prospects? How are you following up with people in the community? You need to put focus on your different offerings, right? Are you putting together offerings that are um, appealing to the market that you're in? You need to put time and effort into structuring your pricing so that it's you know, affordable for your market, that it's reasonable? Are you justifying your pricing with value? And is that clearly communicated? I'm the effort into those skills and not just be concerned with, you know, training your clients with delivering clients results with booking your clients for the next day. There's so many other things that you need to focus on. And I think that's where a lot of people begin to kind of become unmotivated about fitness because you got into the industry just to kind of like teach people how to do different exercises just to get people results. But it's a lot more than that. And you need to put effort into those skills the same way you put effort into the skills to help your clients become healthier. It's so true. I, I think of it, I, I like, and this is kind of where my brain is at now as a new father of like having a diversified portfolio. And I think of a diversified portfolio as, you know, like as, a, as you, the trainer as a business, having multiple revenue streams, or is it one-on-one -on -one training, semi-private training, team training? Is it um, educational opportunities? Are you creating products? Do you have a specific knowledge or expertise in a certain area that you're now able to, to scale and, and right. extrapolate as a, a mode of income? And then on the, on the flip side of that, it's like the skills. Like you can't just be a one-trick pony and be like, yeah, I have the best assessment skills ever. How are you with psychology and how are you with communication? How are you with understanding coaching paradigms and, and different, you know, theories about like just motivating people, behavioral change and actually driving results, not just in the weight room, but making sure people can adjust their behaviors outside of it. It's, right. it's crazy. And I think that's like this evolution where people kind of realize, like you're saying is I got into this because it's fun. I help people. I teach people how to work out and it's so motivating because it was motivating for me. But now what do I do with the people that, maybe are a unique population or have their own, um, you know, emotional or um, just kind of their own, their own. I always do kind of use the analogy of tigers in the bushes that, they, that we have to kind of overcome. So um, that's kind of where, where I come from as far as that, but it is something that I have a lot of conversations with trainers and, and getting very general in their training to being pretty specific right. in their careers to what they want and then taking steps to get there because, it is a long game, man. And, and the long game gets pretty short if you uh, don't think about it. So, right. You know, and at, at the next lab presentation, I'll be talking a lot about sales and, you know, everyone, everyone I think kind of has a good understanding of what like the framework of what like the sales cycles is and the sales cycle is in fitness, right? You, you get leads, you try and get these leads converted into prospects, right? From these prospects, you try and, you know, book consultations or make some type of offer. And through the consultation or the offer, you try and generate a client out of that person. And then obviously the goal is to constantly retain 
uh, your clients. But it's a lot more than that, right? So in addition to like lead generation and prospects, consults, offers, and a client, there's customer service, right? There's your programming and making sure it's delivering results. There's different type of clients that you're going to have. You'll always have clients who are currently active. You'll have clients who are inactive. You have a client who, um, who maybe hasn't trained in a while. What's your follow-up process with that person? Are you nurturing all the people in your network? Are you constantly trying to upsell your clients? Are you providing your clients with certainty on what the future looks like for them? Um, and to make sure that you're constantly assessing all of these things to make sure that you're progressing in all of them. That's awesome. That's a good answer. You know, I think that we, you and I could probably literally just keep talking about this forever. Cause I think we've, we've talked to enough college students. We've talked to enough personal trainers at various points in their career where that's, these are the questions that they have now. It's like, listen, I think I'm a pretty good coach, but how do I make this a, like a viable long-term career? And, and yes, this is a definite shameless plug, plug for the lab event. Um, if you've made it this far into the podcast and, and you realize we've mentioned it a few times, it's, it's because these are the concepts that we're going to be talking about because everyone has these questions and, you know, writing a blog post just isn't going to cover it. You know, we have to have this tangible conversation. Um, John Moljo, in your opinion, what are three non-fitness things people are whiffing on in their career? And I can gladly give you mine if you want an example of where I'm coming from with this question. Yeah, go ahead. Let's start. So one um, accounting. I think that most personal trainers need to meet with an accountant, whether they're a W-2 1099 or, or in your case, like an, an, a corporation or an actual business entity. Like you need an accountant on your team in your network to help you make the financial decisions throughout the year that'll help maximize your money. I always tell trainers like my first year, a full year as a personal trainer, I made $27,000. It's not a lot of money. Um, I had my, my now wife as a roommate, my brother as a roommate and his um, revolving door of lady friends as, a, as another roommate. Um, and we split rent and that's how we make got by. And, and once I finally was smart enough to meet with an accountant, everything was kind of falling into place and we're maximizing the money I was making. Um, so an accountant's number one. Number two, I would say, again, like diversified portfolio, I would tell every fitness professional, what can you do? What's your interest outside of fitness and how can you get involved in it? Um, you know, is it real estate? Is it stock market? Is it, you know, what, what is it in Vermont? Like the thing is like breweries and trying to get involved with like more like home brew stuff and different facets of that. Um, and then the last thing, and this is something that like, it's just the, the new dad in me is just kind of like the retirement aspect and talking to someone, whether it be a financial planner or, um, someone, you know, who does, um, you know, like just, whether you can be like estate planning or something like that, but having a plan for the long, long, long term when you are like, I tell everyone my goal now is to retire as a full-time grandfather at age 60. Like that is, that is the goal now. And everything I do now at age 29 and three quarters is, is geared towards being a, a, a retired grandfather. So, um, you know, like having that other piece in it to kind of make sure the finances are in place 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now is huge. And I, I, right. and it sounds crazy. Like I, I started when I was 21 years old and I feel like I was like five years too late. Like I, it's crazy. And it's so hard to put into perspective when you are young, but um, having the game plan and, and again, like just like in training, like finding the, the coach, finding the person who can help you with all three of those realms is, is imperative. Um, that's where I'm coming from. I just wanted to say that out loud because I think most trainers need to hear it, but what, no, what are the things like, how would you fill in the gaps with that? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind would be 
you know, and I would think people who are listening to this take their career very serious and they want to have a promising, fulfilling career in fitness. Um, you know, so you need to make your career and or your business a priority, right? Your business needs to come before everything, right? And I'm not saying like, you know, if, if you're having health issues, you have to put your business before your health. The assumption is that if you're a fitness professional, you kind of know how to eat well, you know how to exercise, you're in general good health. So you need to you need to ask yourself, is my business a priority in my life, right? Am I dedicating 10 to 16 hours a day to growing my business? Or how much time am I spending doing things that aren't helping my business grow? And I feel like a lot of people, their business isn't a priority to them. If you look at their day, um, what does that tell you that their focus is on? Are they spending a lot of time on social media? Are they spending a lot of time watching TV? Are they spending a lot of time in social events? Um, and if, if you're spending a lot of time on all of those other things, you're not putting in the sweat equity and time it takes to build uh, a business. So you need to make your business a priority. Um, and you might think your business is a priority, but I challenge you um, to rethink it and, you know, start to make some adjustments and, you know, when you're young and you've got time, you know, full time to me is a 12 hour day. Eight hours is a part time day. If you're going to build a career in the, fit, in the fitness industry, you got to get used to that. There's no such thing as an eight hour day um, in fitness. I've been working from 6, 7 a.m. to well past 7 p.m. for the last uh, 10 years. And that's just the space that we're in. And I'm OK with it. I'm used to it. Um, so if you're not filling those hours with clients, you need to be filling those hours with the other things, the other things uh, that require uh, time, effort, and money, right? Working on your business. When you're training clients, you're kind of working in your business. You need to fill all those other hours with activities that are working on your business. So number one would be you need to make your business a priority. Um, number two would be stop changing your mind on what you want to do, right? The grass isn't always greener on the other side and you don't even know how green the grass can be because you haven't done what it takes to build yourself to build a career um, it's completely normal to feel unsure and unsettled about your career about whether or not fitness is going to be something that's sustainable about whether or not you made the right decision choosing fitness as your career but you need to stick it out right? Stop changing your mind, do what it takes, see this through. And that takes more than six months. That takes more than a year. That takes more than two years. Some of you guys are too scared to commit to something for three years, four years. Um, but on the other side of that time frame is going to be successful to stick that out. Um, and the last thing would be, and it kind of just goes hand in hand is, is focus. You know, a lot of people are not focused on the right things. You're focused on something, just not the right thing. So you need to really do some, I guess, I guess find some good mentors, listen to some good podcasts, like the three thing podcast, read some good books and understand that like, all right, I need to put some focus on these things that are going to help escalate and grow my career. Um, and those three would probably be um, my top, you know, make business a priority, your commitment to something, uh, and then putting focus on the right things are huge. I've got a, 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 a subsidiary thing to branch off of this question for you. 
what are some strategies that you've used, some actual tangible things that you've used to help either weed out things, like to basically identify things that need to be weeded out or removed from like your, just like the clutter um, and just, or, or, and, or some things that help you kind of stay on track. My, my planner is. <laughs> my, my <laughs> well, biggest... that's the first, it's funny. Cause that's the first thing I see a lot of trainers, like not, I mean, it's, we joke as a staff here, we all have passion planners and they're, they're great. And we all use them but a lot of people just kind of like put it in their phone and it's like, set it, forget it. And it's like, that's not good enough. No, I have, I have two books. I have my planner, like it's all of my appointments. And then I have my other like to-do list idea book. Um, it's where I kind of like take notes. If something pops into my head, if I know I have something that's due, uh, I'll write it down on that list. So my actual appointment book and my to-do list are the probably the most important things to me as a business owner because they keep me organized. Uh, they're constantly a visual representation of what needs to be done um, for the day, for the week, for the business. Um, and it helps me remember everything I have to do. I used to be the guy that would try and remember everything and thought I had like the best memory ever, but like now I don't hesitate and I just immediately write it down. Cause I know if I write it down and I see it, I'm not going to forget it and it's going to get done. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I think I just wanted to like add that one little like tangible piece because I think a lot of people like they hear it and they're like, yeah, I want to start doing that. That makes sense. Let's do it. But then they're like, okay, where do I start? And like, honestly get something, write it down, map it out. Just, just start writing ideas onto a piece of paper. And so you can see yeah. it and reflect back and mold them and change them. And by, by no means is what you write, what's set in stone you can rip up a piece of paper and it never existed, but right. getting things down on a piece of paper is so critical for uh, just, just like visual learners and just to kind of remember, like you're saying that you want to do things or there's things that you need to be prioritizing. It's hard right. to prioritize stuff if it's, if it's in the short term memory bank in your brain. Right. Um, John Moljo, our conversations are always really, really fucking good. Um, you haven't said a single F bomb on this episode. I know. And you didn't swear on the last one either. I'm trying. Why? I mean, I can't. I can curse. I know uh, you can. You've, no, you. I, honestly, I watched you, you give a presentation was... and drop 31 f bombs. <laughs> I watched it. I was there. I counted. So in, I'm one of those guys who like if I have to give a presentation, I have like the PowerPoint done like three months before. I'm like rehearsing it. I'm like reading it. And I have a, a select group of people who I'll like go over the material with. And uh, one of my mentors, Scott Jim Hatcher, great, great dude. He listened, I think it might've been to one of our podcasts actually. And he said, everything was great, but he was turned off by all of the, the curses. And it's not that I'm scared to curse. Like I'll say the word fuck right now, you know, it's not that I'm scared to curse, but you know, it kind of right. changed my, it changed my perspective a little bit. Um, you know, I, I curse often, but I really tried to be a little bit more mindful of when I'm trying to put out value and um, be informative and be helpful to be as professional as I can. Yeah. That's not to fucking say if you get me fucking fired up, I'm not going to drop a fucking <laughs> I'll go full fucking send on the fucking F-bombs. That's not a fucking problem. I'll tell you, we'll have to do a lab recap podcast. Maybe we'll film it there. Maybe we'll film a lab recap podcast there. 
um, it'd be really interesting. And maybe we could do this a live three things at the end. Not really sure how we get it done, but we could get it done. Um, but I think that it's funny, like the, the debate of, of cursing. And in my mind, subtle curse words su- kind of add authenticity because that's kind 100%. of how, that's kind of me like i, I if, if i didn't drop a, a like a an occasional f-bomb it's out of like passion then i i think people would be like this guy is this is a rehearsed thing like, this isn't this right, isn't right, right. candid this isn't raw this isn't real um but there are some people who like i've given a presentation and i've gotten feedback and they said like the cursing turns me off and so right. I always ask, like, like before I go present for the lab, I say, hey, John, like, what, what's kosher? Like, what's good? Are we, is an F-bomb okay? Because I can turn it off. But at the same time, it's like, like I'm presenting for the NSCA in June and, and it's no cursing. You know, it's right. like super formal, like, right. wear, your, wear your nice Lulu's, tuck in your shirt and, and look <laughs> the part, you know. But some of these, like, more um, intimate events, like, it, it's less of a – a barrier or a thing to do. So I just, I don't know. I just wanted to let you know you're not cursing and I, I don't know if it's a thing on purpose or not, but um, you got time for a quick, you got time for a quick speed round? We got a speed round going on here? Speed round? Let's yeah, go. Speed round. Have you been, in, have we done a speed round? Did, were, never. Have we, we've I'm never done a speed round. Yeah, oh my God. So I don't know if you even listened to the three things podcast. Uh, I think I started doing a speed round with, um, with Sue Falsoni, I think was the first one because I was like so nervous to like have her on. I met her um, in San Diego once. She's so cool. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, I don't want to look like a super dweeb with these like little nerdy three things, like whatever. So I'm going to throw on a speed round and I'm going to like just ask her about things that I know she's interested in. And I've, I've made it a mainstay of the, uh, of the three things. So we got the three things. That's the business up front. Now we got the mullet. Um, shout out to Rob Aguero Hoffman who guest hosted this week's episode of the three things. I should say the last. He got to guest week, host? He guest host. He hit me up. He was Bro, like, yo, can I'm I guest tied. host? Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he beat me to the idea. He was like, can I guest what? host? I, I, asked like, you, yeah. I asked you forever ago to let me guest host. Are you crazy? Uh, okay, so we'll do another one you can guest host. Maybe we'll do like a home away from home. Wow, I'm kind of, I'm kind of I feel bad. I'm embarrassed. I can edit this out so no one ever heard yeah. it. But yep. um, okay, speed round. John Moljo, snapback hats or fitted hats? Snapbacks. Back in Always. the day, fitted hats, snapbacks now though. Why'd it change? just became more professional you know so i, I want you to power rank your snapbacks right now because i you have a wow. nice collection of all team mojo and strong i've got a lot of no, snapbacks if, all right all right so I, I mean it's not gonna do anyone justice because they're not gonna actually see the hats fine. if i have I'll to power if i have to, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna power rank first of all all my hats are snapbacks with the exception of one um and it's the iconic Team Mojo bucket hat. So that would definitely be like the number <laughs> one, the most worn purple camoed out bucket hat. It's, it's pretty dope. Um, I went to Florida and I got this like graffiti gangster Team Mojo hat. So wow, pretty tight. So I got to say, this is probably like number two. Um, it's a one. Wait, hold time. that up and smile. Hold that up and smile. This would be the cover picture. No one else has this but me. You know, so this hat's definitely there. It is okay. Definitely make that sure that's two. the cover, so people know what the references. Um, dude, but I've got like I've got a lineage. I've got OG hats. I'm gonna have I to know. some of them out. Hold on a second. Hold Every on. time I see you, you have a different like you've got the what that is that the is that a Team Mojo or is that a strong hat? That's a Team Mojo hat. We, this is like a Team Mojo hat. This is like the iconic. You have to have the workout snapback. It's got the sweat stains in it, so yeah. people oh, know yeah. when I'm repping this hat, shit's about to go down. 
So gotta, wait, power rank the colors now. You got the gray, you got the slate, you got the purple, you got the black. Yeah, give me the, give I, me the power rank. This is tough. This is really tough. I don't know, man. I love all of my hats. I can't power rank it. Okay. I can't do it. Some I can't do it. Dude, there, it's, okay. it's, I'm sorry. I'm really okay. sorry. Okay, here's another question for Every you. Every one of these hats are, are tight, dude. Okay, here's a question for you. You have to pick one. It's a this or that. A Thursday night mechanical bull at Crazy Horse or Miami Music Week during uh, in a pool party? Come on, Miami Music Week, bro. That's not even a contest. That is Come a on. contest. No, it is. I mean, it, it is. You thought about that more than you probably should have. I did, but, it, you know, those are both – they're, you know, those are both pretty iconic things. But at this point in my life, man, you got to go with Miami, dude. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, give me a reason why Sunnery James and Ryan Marciano are the dopest DJs in the game right now. Dude, because I'm, I'm Puerto Rican and they throw Latin flavor into their music. You know? <laughs> like, don't you hear those drums and you hear that bass? It's just in my DNA, you know. I want a big above and beyond kick right now. Oh, that's terrible. I'm sorry. Big trans progressive house guy right now. This Good is it. I need mean, like no words, just emotions. That's no horrifying. words. Just no, it's that's great. Crazy. It's amazing. Shout out to Above and Beyond for coming down Burlington, Vermont last year. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. It's not a good sign. It's uh <laughs> dude, it was like I don't know why they did it, but they did it. They higher ground, Burlington, Vermont has pulled some major, major DJs that I can't believe they come, but they do. Um when are we gonna go to Montreal again? Tell me. I, I mean, I don't really want to tell. I don't want to tell your fan base what happened last time. We were... <laughs> <laughs> if you want to tell that story? You can. I'm not. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not telling that one. Maybe when you guest, when you guest host, you can tell that one or something. Yeah, we'll leave that story you know out. Me, dude. You know uh, me. All 120 just listeners, which include my mom, they don't need to. They don't need to uh, listen to this. You just throw um, up the bat signal and I'll be there, dude. You know oh, that. God, it's amazing. Um, what is the last pair of shoes you bought that weren't purple? Whoa, last pair of shoes I bought. That's so funny because I was actually in the Bronx in my old stomping grounds this past neighborhood, and I almost bought the Jordan Retro Ones in Black and Concord, and I didn't. Shout out to the Jordan Addiction. Is I think I'm through it. Um, I would say these these Asics, these running shoes right here. <laughs> These are the these are the, the dad 2.0s, right? <laughs> wow, look at you! I was training for a Ragnar run. I needed to get proper with these running shoes because my Nike ID freeze just weren't cutting it. Blowing Watch out, Momo! He's got the dad shoes. Watch out! So I had oh to hit God, these, Ugh, those are sweet. Yeah. yeah, man, those are good. Steph Curry would be proud of those. Dude, it's crazy because I couldn't find. They had like Asics just has like the ugliest colors in shoes. Yeah, like you would think good. they would try and be a little bit like more fashionable. So I found like these black and silver ones, and I had to jump on them, even though they're not great looking. But I think they had like rainbow maroon, oh. green, and I was like, all right, definitely. Oh. I'll take how many hips over these. How many pairs of Jordans do you own? Uh, everyone always asks me that, and I, it's got to be north. It's got to be north of sixty. You don't even count anymore. That's how. No, many. I just stopped. I honestly, I'm like, I, I, I love my Jordans. I don't even wear them, and it's just like, you spend that much money on shoes. They're so fucking uncomfortable. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. Dude, up until like age 27, 28, it was like cool, and it was like I would buy a pair, and then like. You know, they were worth more than I spent on them. But, like, the market's become so saturated. They keep retroing out old pairs. So, it's, like, 
They're not worth what they used to be worth. You got all these other shoes. Kids don't even like give a shit about Michael Jordan anymore. So, you know, I do have some pairs that are worth a lot of money. And obviously I don't really wear those pairs. Um, but, you know, every once in a while I'll crack open a fresh pair of J's and try to look a little dapper, but they're so fucking uncomfortable, man. Honestly, like the Asics are so ugly, but they're the most comfortable pair of shoes that I have. Amazing. It's like someone just make good-looking, comfortable shoes. Like, I don't get it. Why you can't, can't have both. Those yeah. are mutually exclusive. Yeah. You can't have both. It's crazy. Uh, it's mind do you have an insurance policy on them? Like, do you have I an don't. actual insurance? You should, I, you should I, legitimately I should. buy, like, a miscellaneous items policy for that. Um, <laughs> as someone who just paid the miscellaneous items policy on his wife's you wedding know, ring, it's, it's, uh, uh, I, you should I get that. All the student-athletes that I train, I'll see a kid, like, wearing a pair of Jordans. I'm like, what size shoe are you? He's like in fifth grade. He's like, I'm like a nine. I'm like, let me know when you're a 13. Uh, <laughs> I got some shoes I want to sell you. Dude, not everyone's going to be like a 6'1", 195 pound Puerto Rican First house of, of fire. 215 pounds. I haven't Whatever. been 195 you're skinny since now. probably. You're skinny now. I haven't you're been 195 skinny. since probably fifth grade, bro. You're skinny. Every time I see you, you just get skinnier and skinnier. It makes me feel bad. I prefer the word lean. Whatever, you're skinny. Uh, John Mulder, I think we could probably do this forever, but uh, I think we'll spare the people the, the degenerateness of you and I. Hey. We'll have to do it. We'll do it with live, uh, like a three things or something at the lab event. Let's do it. All right, man. I appreciate you making time coming on. The resident. I'm glad we got another episode in.